What up, y'all? You're listening to the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk Podcast with your host, Thomas Miller and Corey Adair. Your go-to podcast for gambling on soccer and hot, hot, hot U.S. men's national team takes. Take it away. Go, go, USA! Opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment. Did you capture it? Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clocks run out, time's up, over, loud. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes rabbit. He choked. He's so mad, but he won't give up daddies. He know he won't have it. He knows his whole back's to these ropes. It don't matter. He's dope. He knows that, but he's pro. He's so stagnant. He knows when he goes back to this mobile home, that's when it's back to the lab again, yo. This old rhapsody better go capture this moment and hope it don't do better. Lose his mouth in the music. The moment you own it, you better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You All right, everyone, welcome back to the next episode of the Gabacho Baracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast. I am one third of your co-hosts for this episode. As usual, I am here with Thomas Miller at Don Thomas Miller on Twitter and Dan Angel at Dan Angel 11 on Twitter as well. How are we got, How are we doing this week, guys? OK, I mean, this week's bets are going decent, not great, but still a long week to go. Yep. And I'm doing good. I got uh, some big news for everybody out there. I haven't been able to get Corey into Liam X. I haven't been able to get Corey into MLS, but I think I officially have him hooked on CONCACAF Champions League. <laughs> How much do you love watching that shit soccer, Corey? Be honest. Uh, this This I can get with. I don't. I mean, I think, honestly, I think it's because it's a short snapshot of, like, a tournament. Like, there, it's not it's not a full season of MLS or Liga MX. It's, it's, it's just this tournament. So, I think that that kind of helps. And <laughs> there is some very overmatched matchups in this thing. So, <laughs> it's kind of it's easy to predict who's going to win and who's not and kind of easy to predict who could get a result for a match to avoid. So, for example, tonight we had Leon playing I don't know who from where I don't know. And you take Guatemala. that. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, but I do know Leon, and I know that they're decent. So take that money line and then Cruz Azul money line. Didn't Cruz Azul win Liga Mackey last year? I know that they won something. They won a tournament last year because – uh, guy that you work with, Bruno, he is a huge Cruz Azul fan, and he was talking about how they finally won a championship. So I don't remember if it was the domestic cup or regular season league title or 
champions. They they didn't they get to the semis or the finals of the Concacaf Champions League last year? I feel like they won Concacaf Champions League. They I know Atlas won one of the regular seasons. It was the first time in a long time. Saw some very beautiful videos of old men in Guadalajara. Crying, probably. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I have no idea. Last year, Cruz Azul made it to the semifinals and got wiped out by Monterey. Of what? CONCACAF. CONCACAF Champions League. What about the domestic cup? Uh, they um were um fourth in the Apertura and they won the Clausura. So there you um, go. So they did win. A, I knew they won a cup last year. I knew they won a title. He was he was hitting me up. He's like, dude, we make it to the finals and we never win. So I actually watched that match that night and then they won. I hit him up right afterwards. So I did know that they won a title last year. Yeah, but they're playing some team. I didn't. I thought they were from Central America. Apparently they're from Hamilton. So I'm watching a match with Cruz Azul. Shout out to Bruno. And I'm watching him play in Hamilton right now and hoping that they beat a team that doesn't even have a logo on ESPN. So they. <laughs> think that's a good sign yeah in all fairness to CONCACAF we got to give a shout you said NYC played a team NYCFC played a team you didn't know they're called they're called Santos de Guadalupeles oh yeah that was actually that was actually kind of funny because I know the Santos in Liga Ameki but I saw this Santos and I huh and in Brazil yeah, yeah, and I know the Santos in Brazil. They're the black and white logo. <clears throat> and then the Santos in Mexico is green, green and white. So I know those teams, but this Santos team, I look, and I'm like, Santos, they what? Where the fuck are they from? Okay, NYCFC should win this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, CONCACAF in a whole. Are any of these Central American teams in league play right now? Because I know Mexico just started, what, two, three weeks ago? They do basically the same tournaments as Mexico. A clausura and a apertura. Uh, apertura and a clausura. So, like, they're they're basically running right now, yeah. They're in full season. MLS teams are out of season. This is the first game. Like, in a, NYCFC was the first game they played. Official yeah, game. That was, that was the first MLS team to play a match, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Montreal played later that night, and they looked pretty solid, to be honest. But they still ended up losing right at the end to Santos Laguna, the most famous, I guess. I mean, depends where you are. South America or North America. Uh, That's not a bad result at all for Montreal. Um, only only losing one nil at Santos. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't as close as it looked, though. By by about the thirty fifth minute, Santos was really just kind of having their way in the match. It, they, they were, it, but it, 50 it, minutes to actually find the net. Yeah. By the way, I watched the goal live. Santos has this thing where, like, it has to be triggered by a sensor. Like, as soon I didn't even, I couldn't even see the header on the broadcast going into the goal, and it shot off like two streams of fucking fire right behind the goal. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I saw that. That was actually really wow. weird. Yeah, the <laughs> do that too. <laughs> yeah, like. I wonder how many yeah. times that goes off during the year for a goal that's this allowed or whatever, or if there's somebody triggering it. That'd be interesting to know. I'm pretty sure there's somebody triggering it because um, whenever whenever the Sounders um, score, it's like a two or three second delay um, before the fire streams shoot off. <laughs> right. That is pretty cool, though. I dig that shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Concave has its own fucking style in its own way, especially when you get out of 
the major the two major leagues you know uh mls and league mx it's just crazy shit you know so i'm glad you're enjoying that yeah no i'm 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 definitely having fun with this it gives me soccer to watch in the evening i i generally only get soccer early afternoon or early morning on the weekend so this is giving me something to look forward to at least yeah i'm taking, taking a break from my college basketball i'm not doing too bad i'm still above 500 on it i just I would rather watch soccer. Uh, moving on to our business for the week. Uh, as always, um, you can write um, the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast. Um, we have a Gmail account. Um, that is GB, as in Gabacho Borracho, soccerpod at gmail.com. You can follow our Instagram, which is gb usa soccer pod and our twitter page is the same at gb usa soccer pod uh i'm thomas miller at don thomas miller dan angel is dan at dan angel two l's 11 and Corey, of course is at dj corp zero seven all right so champions league kicked off this week guys uh we also had you know our plays for the weekend last weekend we have bunch of our guys are playing what what uh what player impressed you most over the last week thomas well i'm gonna go back to the well again and i'm gonna say weston mckinney um, would, you, would you rate him as our, our top performer overall in our talent pool yeah we might get to that in a minute and yeah absolutely dude's a balder like i just want to take you guys back to Last year when he made the transfer to Juventus, like, can I ask you guys, if you did pay attention to that, like, what were your expectations for him at a club like Juventus? At the time, they had Cristiano Ronaldo, mind you. It's one of the best clubs in the world. Like, what what were your expectations for him going to Juventus before he went or, or when the transfer was announced? What did you expect him to, to accomplish there? I mean, I thought it would work out well for him because – a club like um, Juventus doesn't pay that kind of money to bring in a player unless they're sure that um, he can help them, and especially an American. So, I mean, I thought it would work out um, pretty well, um, and obviously it is so far. Right. Yeah, I think my expectation, and this is just something, you know, I – Pulisic kind of broke that for me, broke this mindset for me a little bit at Dortmund. But I almost always expect American-based players just to become rotational guys. I mean, I we've had one, what, two, outside a goalkeeper, outside of Tim Howard. Dempsey had a good run in England. But who else? At Fulham. At, yeah, at Fulham. Right. Full level. Yeah. But who else really has gone to Europe and been consistently getting a ton of minutes at either a top team in a top league or a very top team in a lower level league? Who who else is there? Like like currently there there's a few right, but like if if we're just concentrating on Weston for a minute, like he has that's what I'm saying is that that's kind of what I expected him too is like like he's gonna be a rotation yeah player and what he's become. And I don't even think like any Italians can fucking, uh, you know, um, argue this at this point. He is like the most important. He's he's their best player 
he's their best player. He's like the most important player. Everything that he does, whether it's, you know, defending or if it's creating chances in the midfield, moving the ball forward, and then also like getting scoring opportunities. This game that he had on the weekend, if you watched it, I mean, he had a lot of scoring opportunities or, or key passes, you know, I would say like between six and 10. And, and there's nobody else on Juventus that's doing that. I mean, he is like literally the piece that is moving Juventus forward and they're getting better and better. They started off really slow and they just keep getting better and better. And it's all on Weston McKinney. And that was something I never expected. You know, I think I think you could make, you know, I think there's probably because it's just a, it's such a big club. Money wise, I, there's probably a couple of people that you could argue would be better soccer players than Weston McKinney, but that that comment, the most important, like the, he's one of the more critical. I think you could easily make the argument that Weston McKinney's the mo- most critical player in their starting eleven because of how valuable he is to the transition, linking defense between off. I mean, he just he he's a set piece hero. He's great at defense. He's even better at offense. And he just, he's a playmaker. He truly is just a playmaker. He goes and makes plays. Does he have some mess ups here and there and lose control of the ball and, you know, not the most ideal situations? Yeah, that happens. But every time he has a decent, you know, a middle to bad play, he makes an amazing play, makes two amazing plays in, you know, in comparison. I don't think it was ever in my wildest dreams that I would say that the United States has a box to box midfielder that starts every minute for a top six club in the world. I don't think I ever imagined myself saying that, honestly. That's fair. We've, we've never had it before. True. I mean, the only the only player that played that many minutes for a top, top-notch top club wasn't even a top six club in the world. It was Everton. It was Tim Howard. He never came out of the net. But that's goalie, and that's a completely different story. Once you get established in that, as long as you stay ahead of the curve, you never get pulled. So it's not – it doesn't even come close to comparing to a midfielder. I mean – Pulisic at Dortmund was playing every minute when he was healthy. And I think that kind of broke the streak since Dempsey at Fulham. I, I, I think Pulisic was the one that kind of said, hey, American players can do this again. And then we've just seen it start to grow at a rate that is absolutely phenomenal because we don't just have one box-to-box midfielder in a top, power, in, in a top uh, division at a team that's worth something. I mean, I know RB Leipzig's not Dortmund or Bayern, but they're still a top five, top six club in that league. And he's another box to box midfielder that plays every minute. Doesn't come off the field. And Brendan Aronson, right? And Brendan Aronson. Yeah. He, he's definitely more of a opportunity create, you know, like he, he's more of an attacking midfielder, I'd say than a box to box guy, but He's playing absolutely incredible. That was a that was a stunner. I lost. I I made three bets that finished up today, and I lost two of them because of Salzburg. I, they just didn't let Dor- or they didn't let Byron score. Aronson had a very clever touch on an assist for the for the Salzburg goal that just seems to be what he continues to do. I don't. I mean. I don't know. There's nothing we, we we can keep saying it over and over again, but he needs to be being be put in a better position to succeed for the United States because that kid is good. I, I honestly think he's like the best version of Benny Feldhopper we could ever get. It's a good comparison. Like at least at Salzburg. For you know, yeah. we talked about this, I think two or three shows already. 
Like, we don't know if it's where he's put on the pitch with the USA, but he's a fucking totally different player for USA than he is for Salzburg. Salzburg, he's like, he's like, uh, he reminds me of like Di Maria in his prime at Real Madrid or something. Like, he's just a dude who, like, if he gets a touch that's close to the box, he's either going to get an assist or a goal. Or, you know, if you need somebody to kind of just break down some sort of some sort of pressing that's going on, he can bring the ball up the field. But, like, the U.S. just kind of run around. He's not really even out there. It could be the system we run, that 4-3-3 with everybody tucked in tight to the striker or whatever. I don't even really know. But, yeah. And I don't care. I know he created five opportunities against Bayern today. He had an assist, and he had a shot on target and a shot off target. The shot off target was damn near a goal, and the shot on target very easily could have been a goal. So if you're doing that against Bayern in the Champions League for, for a side like Salzburg, I'm pretty sure you could be doing more than what he's been doing for the United States, and I don't necessarily think it's on him. Yeah, Because when we see him play for us, he gives full effort. It's not like he's not trying. He right. just looks out of position. Yeah, and, so, and some players um, have a lot more success at the club at um, the club level than they do on the international stage. Like one of the biggest things that stands out in my mind is the contrast between Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Ronaldo seems to be at his best whenever he puts that dumb Portugal shirt on. Whereas Messi seems to be like, I mean, he's an amazing player. Don't get me wrong, no matter who he's playing for. But when he's playing for Argentina, he seems to be more crushed under the weight of expectations as opposed to at the club level, he's free to just be himself and dominate. Yeah, I mean, so if we're using that comparison, then the thing we always say about, I mean, I've heard for years about Messi is like the players around him. Barcelona is obviously a million times better than Argentina. Um, and <laughs> I, I don't know, I'm not saying Salzburg is better than the United States national team, but like at least in Austria. But the, the thing that's been surprising about it is is how well Salzburg has played. They've shown out in Champions League this year. I mean, the, the goal they gave up to Bayern puts them in a really tough spot for the return match where they got to go back to Germany and they're actually losing on away goals. So, it, you know, it, it could very easily end up something like 5-0 to zero since they got to come out and play. I didn't watch much of it. Did you watch much of it, Corey? Did they come out or were they just like countering? But, I mean... It really doesn't matter because they're actually losing. Um, that could be like a one-on-one real quick. Yeah, they, that's actually a really good one-on-one. They tied the game one-to-one, but they were at home. And so there's a return match. It's a two-leg um, playoff or whatever you would call it. And uh, so the away goals count um, almost like one and a half, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think I think the best way to explain this is that just you, there's more value to an away goal. It's more value. I mean, it's still worth just one goal. So the math is still the same. None of the math changes on aggregate. You play on the road and you play at home and the road goals are just the tiebreaker. They're the first tiebreaker, I think is the easiest way to say it. So we'll use this Bayern and, and, and Salzburg example. They played in Austria today. In however many weeks they're going to play again at Munich. 
Today in Austria, it was one to one. So that means Bayern has one road goal. So when they play again in Munich, if the score finishes zero zero, uh, guys, um, I'm pretty sure that they scrapped the away goals rule for this year. Oh, did they? I thought that was going to be next year. That's this year. Um, let's see, I remember them talking about it, and it was something they were going to do. I just didn't. I don't remember if it was this year or next year. All right, I'm looking. Um, let's see. UEFA says um, the away goals rule has been removed as of the qualifying phases of 2021 to 2022 competitions. Yep. So no no away goal anymore. So then there's no more need for this 101. <laughs> Fuck this 101, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm reading an article from yesterday saying the same thing. I had no idea about that, to be honest. I, I had heard that. I just thought I thought it was next year. I didn't think it was going to be as quick as this year. Yeah. Yeah. Because they announced it after the group stages had already started, didn't they? Um I think they announced it uh June twenty fourth. Yeah. June twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. We must have missed that. We didn't have a show yet, so we weren't covering that. Well, I guess I mean Salzburg <laughs> has just as good of an opportunity as any any then. Yeah. As um top- Ties that end in a draw will go to extra time and a pen- and a penalty shootout if it stays level. That's still, I mean, there's still some value in that one on one though. Talking about a home and home, like a two leg playoff round, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be you you basically have two matches. The, the 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 round of sixteen in Champions League, it isn't just win or go home. You play a match at home and then you play another match on the road and you add up all the goals and whoever yeah. has the most goals wins. If it's a tie, then it goes to extra time. And mm-hmm. if it's still tie after that, then it goes to penalties. So it's, but as far as betting on soccer is concerned, that is seriously important to know. Yeah. Because these opening matches with these good teams overmatch te- like the teams that overmatch their opponent on the road, like Manchester City on the road or Bayern on the road, there is a lot of value in them racking up goals in those opportunities. So that way it can be easier for them at home. They can just play keep away. They, they don't even have to win. They just have to keep possession and play defense and not give up any goals. And if they do that, then they advance. So it's easier to hit over bets, I would say, in my opinion, on the first leg of these home and home matches in tournament rounds, and then kind of play off of what happened in that first match when you bet on the second match. I, th- I yeah. think there is value to that. I agree. I agree. And I, I do like the dumb they've made this change and gotten rid of the away goals rule because I think the way that it works now where the penalty shootout is held in the um, higher seeds um, stadium and the extra time is held there as well. I think that's a, that's a much fairer situation than, and it actually gives the higher seed an advantage because like when I would play FIFA and Nom would play in the champions league, I would intentionally throw the last match so that I would finish second um, and go go through as the number two team in my group because I didn't want to play the second match at home. I wanted the first match um, at home so that I could deny the opposition an away goal and then just bag one away goal in the um, second match and I'm gold. And now, of course, that strategy is out the window. Now it's just a two-match thing where um, you're essentially playing half the match in one stadium and half the match in the other, and I think that's a lot more fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, as uh, this uh, 
Spanish uh, paper AS. Any idea what that is, Dan? AS. Mario AS. Something from Madrid, I think. But yeah, what they what they bring up is that what would happen a lot of times is that first game that first game where the home team uh, is kind of at an advantage, they would just park the bus. So like mm-hmm. I think that was like their thinking is that they don't want to see those just terrible games that like where it's one time one team trying to break down another team uh, who's got a five man low blocker and you know, two lines of four, low block the entire game. Uh, they're hoping for some more competitive games. I actually was betting the last two days without even knowing that. Like, I, I swear it came into my mind a couple times. I did good two days ago, didn't do good today. But, yeah, it's pretty interesting then. Yeah, it, it's definitely a completely different dumb situation betting that way. Yeah, uh, like now you're kind of looking at Salzburg in a situation where they they could just absolutely park the bus. Mm-hmm. If they think they could defend for 120 minutes against Bayern Munich. This match is going to give them confidence to think that they can do that because they, they took that goal. Honestly, they were far and away the better team for the first 25 minutes. They had That's when Aronson had a shot on goal and they scored their goal, and they opened up with Aronson barely missing with a, uh, a shot off target. And the rest of the match was Bayern constantly trying to get possession and trying to instantly attack and Salzburg looking good. I mean, they just look good. They just look good. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, going into Munich, like it's just so hard to do because I mean, that team is just so talented and having having to defend for that long against that many weapons. I don't know. Yeah. I, I agree that I think Byron's going to win that match. I think they're going to win that match outright. And then it's not even going to go to extra time. You know, that would be the smart bet. I'm just, I'm saying that they're this match, this result will give Salzburg enough belief to, to potentially cause us some surprise, maybe some surprise. I'm not maybe. saying they're going to win, but maybe. I mean, By- Byron's not invincible. They're they're not like I mean Bochum just dropped four goals on them so oh. they can definitely be beaten. They're still but, without Davies and they're still without Newer. Yeah, but I don't think that um, parking the bus is the answer. Is what I'm saying. No, I I, I would agree with that. Right. Like I think if you're park if you're parking the bus, you're asking to get beat um two nil. Absolutely, and yeah. I mean, time will just kind of show what the second leg strategy will be um, now that there is no away goal. So uh, as far as uh, U.S. men's national team players go, we had in those two days, we just had Aaron Sun, um, Zach Steffen wasn't even the backup goalkeeper for Man City. Uh so it's kind of interesting to see if maybe he's injured or sick again, <laughs> another COVID spell or something. Next week's games uh, do feature at minimum three guys. We have Chelsea playing Lil, so that will be a Christian Pulisic potentially Christian Pulisic versus Timothy Weah, 
and then Juventus plays as well against Villarreal, so uh, Weston McKinney. Um, really where we will see some feast or fortune for United States men national team guys or is in the Europa League knockout uh, stages. Um, just looking at tomorrow's schedule, we got um, um, Dortmund. Uh, it, it All signs are pointing to us. I, I was reading some of Dortmund Twitter today. It looks like Gino Rayo will start that game. Um, Barcelona hosts Napoli in a very, very good uh, round of 32 knockout uh, game in Europa League. And uh, um, Danny Elvis is not registered for Europa League. So it looks like it will be Sergino Des for the second game in a row going 90 minutes. Um, we also got da, 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 da. Tyler, possibly Tyler Adams versus Real Sociedad. It looks like a, that's about it. Um, so that's all <laughs> for U.S. men's players. Next week we'll, you know, hopefully see three guys in Champions League. Yeah, hopefully. For sure, for sure see two, but hopefully three. Hopefully. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for it. I'll tell you what, though, the, having these Champions League matches, and I mean, we're still going to see what the Europa League matches do, but there's a hat, Cruz Azul goal. Let's fucking go. There you go. <laughs> fucking go, boys. Uh, it, it, it really does mess with some of these league matches. You know, like the match before, you see guys getting rested. I'm curious to see what happens with the match after. I'm paying hyper close attention to how it goes with this round of matches, because then I have some type of baseline to see what happens the week before and what happens the week after with a lot of these guys who gets sat, who plays before, who gets sat before, who plays after, who gets sat after, because these champions league matches are sandwiched between weekends with league matches. So, Oh, absolutely. We saw last week, Liverpool take it easy in domestic league in preparation to try to go get, a win on the road at Inter Milan where they got a road win at two nothing because I think it was Sala who came in off the bench. He didn't play for 65 minutes in their league match last weekend. So does that mean Sala is going to play this coming weekend or are they going to rest him again? Like it's, I think that that's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of things to pay attention to how these teams do this. Mm-hmm. So the most Sala thing was probably more about the African cup of nations or whatever they call it. Uh, uh, returning. Sané was playing, though. But, I mean, Egypt went to the final, which was, like, I think just... Sané. That was that was Senegal, too. That's what I mean, like, Mario Sané was playing mm-hmm. and Salah wasn't. And Klopp made a comment about how he thinks that, that the Africa Cup, or whatever it's called. What's it? Africa Cup of Nations, yeah. Cup of Nations, that he was taking that really, really hard. And I think that's why he didn't start that match, because Sané did start that match, and he played in the finals against him. So I don't know. I, I wonder if Champions League had a little bit to do with it too. The the team that really took it easy on the weekend, they played Friday, was PSG. Yeah. They had five starters out in a league game. Angel Di Maria didn't come in until like the 70th minute that match. Yeah. Uh, Neymar was probably fit, but he was like it, in the box. He wasn't even on the sideline. So like, they're clearly they're clearly focusing on trying to advance in the Champions League because they're twelve points up on second place. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, why wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. French but league. I think, uh, teams like Lil, though, I'm very curious as to how they handle that because they're not a team that's guaranteed to get into a qualifying spot for the Champions League next year. So do they focus more on league play to qualify again next year or are they going balls to the wall to win their Champions League match next week? You know, they're, they're, what what do they do? That I think it's just really important to pay attention to each one of these clubs that has trends or things that you like to bet to see how they handle these matches. Yeah, Lil's six, point out, six points out of Champions League qualification in France. And to be honest, I mean... I don't think it would be shocking to say they really don't have a chance at winning the Champions League, you know? Right. So, I don't know. I mean, I think they'll just put out their best team that they can until they're out and then try to make up those points on teams that, honestly, they're better than. Nance, Lens, Lyon, Monaco, and Rennes. Strasbourg? Strasbourg? Strasbourg. Yeah, I mean, I see Lille as a better, like a more talented team than all those teams in France, and they're only six point out. But so I think they will go balls to the wall, rest players when they when they can, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm also I guess I'm of all these teams. I guess Lille is a team that I'm not going to touch. I think Chelsea has a strong enough uh, player, you know, squad that. They're probably going to sit a couple people this weekend, especially because they're playing Crystal Palace. They might sit a couple people uh, and try to just sneak away with a one nothing victory. But I don't know. That'd be the only one I think you might be able to find something on because Juve, I don't think Juve is in position to qualify automatically next year, are they? I don't think so. No, I think fifth. Yeah, fifth or seventh, somewhere in there. Uh, they are in fourth right now. So is it is it top four in Italy? It is top, it is top four, but Atalanta has a game in hand on them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they're only down, and they're down by two. So if Atalanta wins that one match, then they're above them. So yep. You know they're they're right in the thick of it, trying to qual- get the automatic qualification for next year as well. And I don't know where Villarreal is, but I'm sure that they're pretty close to being in the same situation. So is Atletico Madrid, and so is Manchester United. Yeah, that's very true. Let's see, Villarreal is three points out of a Champions League spot. Atletico is tied with Bar- with Barcelona for the last spot. So yeah, yeah. And I don't. I can look real quick and see where United is. United's in the last spot, and they're in there by two points to West Ham. So yeah, I mean, it's just I I haven't like fully paid attention to a full club season of soccer with the opening stages of champions league and the beginning of the knockout stages to see how teams usually handle this. So this, this is just something that I'm speaking out loud about that. I'm actually paying really close attention to. I'm betting on these teams, watching these matches, seeing how these sides actually handle this because it's, it's a strain on their players. It's no different than one of our three game windows in international international play. We have to sit guys strategically and play guys, and start guys strategically to save legs because three matches in six or seven days is quite a few minutes. Yeah. And, and you also, at this point, you get it, you get um, deeper into um, domestic cups. So 
some teams that might um, be a little bit iffy as far as getting one of those qualification spots might go all in for a league cup um, and forget about um, the domestic league because they might be looking at trying to get one of those Europa League places. Yeah, uh, Chelsea's an interesting one too. They just had a game um, postponed or whatever, moved this weekend because they were at the Club World Cup. Mm-hmm. So they got another one to make up. They're in the EFL Cup final. I believe, yeah, they're still alive in the FA Cup. Yeah, they are. They got, I mean, they got a very, uh, what, a, what do we call that? Uh, very busy schedule. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I mean, Chelsea and Liverpool for the EFL Cup, I mean, yeah, I guess they'll go for it because it's a trophy, but that one's like both teams are going to make it um, to – probably going to make it to the champions league either way. I mean, Liverpool definitely will and Chelsea probably will. So that one's probably not as big of a thing, but like looking at the FA cup, somebody like Southampton who has no shot whatsoever at getting into one of those top four places, but probably isn't going to be looking at relegation either is probably going to um, prioritize the FA cup and a chance at on the Europa league. I will make a bold statement about Southampton. Uh, they've been really good lately. I could totally see them getting into a sixth or seventh spot, even in the league table, and getting into Europa League. Uh, um, so, yeah. That's my bold statement of the week. I think Southampton will be playing European football next year. It could happen. But, I mean, as far as that goes, like, which – like, which would you rather try to do? Um, win your way up to um, fifth or sixth place over the course of the next 14 matches or go through three matches where you're probably not going to be getting the best shot of um, the teams that you're going to be playing, or if you are, you're playing a lower-level squad. Yep, and if you watch the FA Cup games, the announcers the entire time are telling you how much it matters. <laughs> They really try to sell it like a March, like a March Madness sort of thing, uh, especially for lower tier teams. Yeah, I mean, sure, it matters to um, the Everton's, um, the Crystal Palaces, some of the world. Of course, it matters for them, but mm-hmm. for somebody like Manchester City, no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've noticed that. There, that's I've swore off betting cup, the FA Cup because of all the upsets that I mean. It's yeah. it's been crazy this year. I they can keep trying to sell me on how important it is. I, 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 I can I can see with my own two eyes how important it is to some of these teams. Yeah, <laughs> like I like I'm I only bet cup ties in a situation where I know that the team that I'm betting on is taking it seriously. Like for example, um next like um at the start of March um in the um DFB Cup, I mean. I'll probably throw a bet on Union on for that because that is by far our best chance um, to secure European um, football for next year. Because I mean, we're down to, we're down to the final eight um, teams in that competition, and there's no Bayern, there's no Dortmund, so that's a really good opportunity to possibly that off and not have to worry about um, the standings for the rest of the year unless we're focused, unless we have a chance at a Champions League place. 
Right. I can see that. Because, like, looking looking at this, um, <clears throat> the quarterfinals, there are only four teams out of eight who are actually in the first Bundesliga who are still alive. The other, the other four are lower division sides. You know, we've broken down then, you know, what the kind of uh, at least the short-term future outlook is for a lot of uh, the European clubs and uh, American players in um, those, uh, those clubs. We, you know, as we all know, we got a lot of guys in top clubs and everything. It kind of, we kind of uh, touched on, how good Weston McKinney has become at Juventus. And uh, so that kind of just like had me thinking, you know, like what, if we were going to rank at least one through five, most important player or, and or best player in our current player pool for the United States men's national team. Um. And, you know, like a one through five, I think uh, we all would probably be in agreement at this point. And th- this would have been very different even in August 2021, right? But at this point, do we all have Weston McKinney as our best player and most important player? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say he secured that position. Absolutely. Especially, especially with his set piece heroics over the last three to four weeks. It's been incredible to see him reach that type of ceiling that he's been reaching lately. So yeah, I'd say McKinney's number one. Right. So we're all in agreement on number one. Where it starts getting interesting will be two through five. Uh, like, like I'm even having trouble kind of weighing it. Like, I think one thing I'm thinking about is like, if this guy is not available for a United States starting 11, how's that affect us but then i'm also weighing his club performance uh how well he's doing at a big club and so my number two i'm i'm going with um tyler adams all right so i i'm not gonna argue with adams being a number two like i I, he's in my top five so there, there's there's you obviously have your reasons for it and I probably have the same reasons as to why I have him where I'm at so we both we're both on the same page there but real quick I am eliminating Burhalter from my equation in my top five all right I am just removing his selections I don't care if he picks them or not I am saying these are the players that are playing the best overall soccer in our player pool period whether he picks them or not because I think he's a clown so my number two is Pulisic. I know that he struggled trying too hard with the national team. I think the fact that he hasn't given up at Chelsea and that he's still playing meaningful minutes and he's still doing the things that he's doing. I know that he hasn't been playing great, but he is a little bit of a streaky player. I have faith he comes out of it. I think he's too important to the U.S. men's national team brand and too good of a player in the talent pool to not put him at least number two. I agree. Yeah. So then you have Pulisic as your number two. I'd put him, I'd put him second and Adams third. Okay. So me, me, me and Dan are on the same page on that part then. (laughs) Cause I have, I have Adams number three as well. And it's for every reason that you're saying over there, Thomas, like every reason that you would put Adams number two, it's the same reason I have him number three. I, I think you're really, I think you are splitting hairs between those two. 
And I think a lot of that has to do with how well and established Adams is at his position. He plays the same position now for a club as he does country. So I think that gives him a, t- a certain sense of consistency that allows him to play at the level that he plays at something that Pulisic doesn't get. Right. And so, so you guys dropped your number three as well. Like, so my, my three and my three, I kind of got like a three and a three A and I will put Pulisic on that line. I think if um, he shows, he's shown um, in the cup world cup, he kind of was like cooking dudes again. Like what Christian Pulisic brings to your team. He obviously doesn't run the system of, of one touch, you know, uh, you know, uh, ticky tacky, whatever you want to call it, uh, Pep Guardiola type soccer. So like what you would need if you want to rate him as one of our top two or three players is that he can beat dudes off the dribble and he hadn't shown it for a long time, but you know, it, it honestly had me wondering if he had lost a step or something, you know, but he kind of was showing it again. And, and so I'm just going to go sit, you know, go on that. He's been injured and he's been pressing anytime he's been putting on the U S Jersey. He had some sort of comments, I believe this week where he was saying something like, I no longer feel the pressure to carry the United States team based on how, how good the rest of the talent pool is becoming if that is his actual thought and he is not just a completely selfish player, uh, then yeah, I absolutely have him at three or, you know, I would even move him up to two or, or, or depends on what we see in March. I, I might move him up to, to number one, you know, but uh, another guy that I have right on that same level is Gio Reyna. And uh, I always give Corey shit about celebrating Gio Reyna returning to practice and all that, but like, like if you just if you just go to YouTube or wherever you watch soccer highlights and just watch Gio Reyna, the things that he's done at Dortmund, even the even the things he did in very small samples uh, for the United States national team, the first part of uh, 2021, there he does things that we don't have. We don't have like a classy finisher, a guy who is like like in like a one uh one v one situation one v two situation where we're like this dude's definitely going to put it in the back of the net i don't put pulisic there just because i mean we've seen a time and again where he's in that sort of situation he dribbles right into the dude or if he's on a free kick uh he bombs it to like the 15th row geo arena is that guy he can like he, he can fucking finish he can do classy passes through balls, he can do it all. So, like, if we get Gio to where he was, say, June of 2021, like... I was just going to say the Nations League because that was... He was dribbling down in that box with all those Mexican defenders around him, and he was doing things. I was like, holy crap, this kid's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, and in the Nations League game, he showed that thing that that a lot of, that a lot of, a lot of players lack. Like, he has that, like that chicharito kind of like like in uh, you know like uh like sixth sense to x factor be yeah the x factor to be where the ball is gonna fall dude and and you never find six foot one guys that have that type of coordination with their feet like that Mm -hmm. like it's not it's not normal to find a goal a guy that tall and long 
that can dribble like that in tight, compact situations. So there, there's a lot. Anyway. Huh? Not in this sport anyway. No, not in this sport. <laughs> I mean, like you, you, you can find them, but they're probably playing, they're probably playing in a gym right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They're playing bass. Yeah. They're playing for Belmont basketball team. Motherfucking. Uh, another thing that Gio brings is the free kick. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what you guys have thought are on Chris Pulisic taking free picks, free kicks. But I mean, it's just like, I, I can't remember an impressive free kick that he's taken. <laughs> if I can be completely honest. It was nation's league. It was back in the nation's league final. But I mean, like as a shot on goal, you know, like, Oh, you mean a, okay. Yeah. Like Landon Donovan. Okay. Landon Donovan, the greatest player in United States history, arguably, or, not arguably, if he got fouled, you know, just outside the box and he gets a free kick, every, I mean, almost every single time he's putting it on frame. And yeah. A lot of times he's scoring. When Christian takes those, they, like, can you even tell me one that's gone on frame that wasn't directly to the keeper's hands, you know, like the Canada free kick from 40 yards or whatever that he took that Borjan had no fucking problem dealing with? No. Yeah. And I, and I think Gio Reyna can bring that to it too. So like, I think he can too. I think we've seen his, his set piece type of skill set on corners and stuff. So I would be interested to see him take a direct free kick. I do want to add a little thing though, to what you were saying about Pulisic. You know, he made those comments about national team. I'm starting to wonder how much this shit that Tuchel's doing at Chelsea is starting to mess with his game too. I mean, I want that feeling of having to press carrying the United States men's national team on your shoulder. He's going to be feeling something similar to that. When, uh, when the manager Tuchel is throwing him in all these different positions, he's going to feel the need to press his game in order to try to get more playing time in order to get put in a regular position and see the field more. I have to do more. I have to do more, especially when he's getting thrown around into different positions that aren't his natural position. I feel like that, that, internal feeling he has depressed the scenario or the situation is what's causing his problem. And I hope, I hope in the summer he gets moved. Honestly, I, I, I would like to see him play in a more natural system that fits his skill set. So his four is like geo then, or you no, actually my four is not geo. I, I, I agree with you that as a pure talent, geo is absolutely number four, but he hasn't played in, he's played, 35 minutes in the last two and a half months. So as far as like just talent in our player pool, that's been available and playing right now. That's why I, I don't have him in my four spot. I actually have Brooks in my four spot because I've been really impressed with the way he's been playing for Wolfsburg for a while now, ever since he got that red card in the group, what was it? Group stage of Europa league or group stage of champions league. He got sent off with a red card. Didn't he Thomas? Yeah, it was champions league. And then he got held out of three games in December, three Bundesliga games. Yeah. Um, since the Christmas break, he's been he's been in good form. He's he been in good on the match against uh, who they play last week. Last um, week's game, he got man of the match. It was like he had an eight point six. I just think he's playing incredibly high level soccer right now. I think he's the best center back in our player pool, and I think we have a very talented center back pool of players. I, I think I think that is one of our 
deepest positions now. It was something we were worried about going into the Nations League tournament. We were talking about how do we have enough center backs to run a you know run even just two center backs in the, on the field at the same time. Um, and now we have enough guys to not even call him up, but I think he's by far our best center back. And I think it deserves to make this list considering how deep of a group of players that is. Yeah. And I see what you mean by throwing out Greg Berhalter logic, because he has claimed that he doesn't call Brooks up because of his form. Total bullshit. Yeah. Total bullshit. He doesn't like him. Nope. <laughs> he doesn't like him because he told him he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. Straight up. You see their interactions on the sideline in that second window. He's straight up is telling Berhalter, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. We play over in Europe. You played in the Netherlands for what, six months? Then do you have like a number four? Um, I would say um probably probably Reyna um would be in that four spot. Um it's it's a tough call between um Reyna, Dest, and Brooks for all the reasons that you guys have said. I mean Brooks really needs to be on the field, but Burhalter just won't do it. So, I mean, it just feels like we're letting a good weapon go to waste. Yeah. And and that's how I kind of feel on my fifth spot. I got Sergino Dest in there just because of how smooth he is, how much he doesn't seem to be bothered by the big moment. You know, he plays like a totally different role at Barca than he does with the U.S. men's national team, where he's just kind of protecting when he does play. You know, it's been noted that Xavi, for whatever reason, doesn't like him for whatever fucking reason. But like he's smooth. But like, uh, I mean, my honorable mention, fifth spot, sixth, seventh, whatever. You got to include Timothy Weah. And that's as much um, to do with how he's played when he has been called up. He's one of the few guys in really like a, a European player history uh, for the U.S. men's national team that's probably played better wearing the USA crest than he has for his club team. You know, we've had dual nationals, especially over the, like the last eight years that they're, they're good. You know, uh, Timothy Chandler is an example. I mean, he's been a starter at Frankfurt, I believe, for forever. Every time he put on the U.S. jersey, he didn't give a fuck, and it showed. Um, so that's way uh, – and then John Brooks as well. Yeah, I have John Brooks in that category too. He better be there for <laughs> – I mean, the last window. We need him in Mexico City, John Brooks. We need him in Cutter. Yeah, absolutely. That too. He's slow, but fuck no, it. just don't my- let, let him get on an island. You're good. My group of three after that in any order, I mean, because Reina hasn't been playing, Dest hasn't been playing, um, but they're they're both in that little group of three like you had. And then mine's actually Aronson, just because of how impressed I get with the way he's playing in Austria. Who would have your last spot, Dan? Yeah, I mean, probably um, Aronson um, deserves consideration. I mean, Robinson um, came up big um, with um, the goal in the El Salvador match. So I would say either of those. Right. So then just like one thing to add on to it, you know, we're looking like we need four points out of the last three games of all the players you mentioned, you know, this is completely hypothetically, like who would, who would be the guy in a game that we're struggling either if it's at Azteca or at uh, San Jose, Costa Rica, like who's the guy that you could just see 
doing something, uh, you know, beyond human to like push us over the edge and get us into the automatic qualifying beyond fourth place where we have to go play probably New Zealand, you know. Uh, Western Arena. Yeah. It's Western Arena. Western with a set piece or Arena with a delivery on. I mean, literally, it probably would be Arena to Weston on a set piece. But but the problem is, I mean, (laughs) Rolter's not going to put him in that position. Right. Well, he's had he's had Reyna take the corner kicks from the left, I believe. So ba- basically, we just need to put everything out to the left. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> right. See, see, this is like contrary to what I've said a lot, but like, I think Pulisic would be that guy. Like, it, if there's a moment, do you guys remember Michael Bradley's midfield chip over Memo Ochoa at the Azteca? last world cup qualifying cycle like at san jose at azteca if we need a moment we're struggling we're grinding it out like uh look at like mbappe's goal yesterday uh cory and i are always talking about in our conversations that he's, like, <laughs> he's the worst greatest player ever because he fucking sucks, like, a lot of the time. He's the greatest, worst player ever. Yeah, yeah, we haven't decided which it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just comes up with these moments that are, that are like, in fucking sane. And, and Pulisic is that guy. Like, where I could see him, you know, if it's a 1-1 game in either of those games, or a 0-0 game, tie game, whatever you want to say, I could see him being the one who just, like, nutmegs somebody, sprints past by another guy, and then... Scores a goal last. Like, like his moment in the semifinals of Champions League last year. Chelsea needed that goal. Mm-hmm. They really needed that goal, and he went and delivered it. Yeah. Yeah. Or like restart. Uh, after COVID, uh, Premier League restart Pulisic. Just, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a great mix of uh, him against Liverpool in one game. He's just like destroying everybody on Liverpool. So like – you know, that was just kind of like an interesting thing to think about, too. Just, I hope he gets re re reassociated with Klopp. I really do. I really, really do. It'd be a good mix. I just hope he goes somewhere. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Thomas Miller. And I just wanted to let you know that the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast is sponsored by Moneyline Dice. Moneyline aims to revolutionize the sports betting market through the creation of both functional and novelty products that sports bettors of all levels will enjoy. Spotted by its golden peaks, the Moneyline logo symbolizes winning and winning big. Feature products include Moneyline Sports Betting Dice, Moneyline Sports Betting Pocket Notebook, Snapback Hat, and more. Use promo code CODA10, K-O-T-A-1-0 to receive a 10% discount on your next order. That's promo code CODA10, K-O-T-A, for 10% off your next order at MoneylineDice.com. Now let's get back to the show. All right, and for our last segment, we are going to bring you our weekly picks. We uh, This is definitely one of my favorite parts of the show. I, I, I love scouring all the games over the weekend, giving myself a reason to watch these matches in the morning. It's uh, <laughs> definitely... Definitely makes my weekend so far more enjoyable because it's just it's the perfect time. I mean, I you wake up at 
seven thirty or eight o'clock on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Kids are still asleep. Hopefully, usually, <laughs> usually. And I get to just lay on the couch and watch some soccer and veg out a little bit, drinking some coffee before everybody gets up for the day. So there you I, go. I absolutely love it. Um, but you're I'm going to go ahead. You're kind of showing our age there though. Like I'm the same way, but most people, most people like at least on the network and probably listening are like getting up at seven 30 on a Saturday, you know? Yeah. There's people on the network that just don't sleep. I mean, <laughs> I'm getting text messages at two in the morning. So, you know, I need a winner at 7am. Someone give me a winner at 7am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I'm not in those group texts. <laughs> Oh no, it's, it's, it's fully, it's free entertainment. I absolutely love it. It, it cracks me up. I, I, I actually laugh out loud at least once a day, every day from these things. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. I'm going to use the same strategy I did last week where I'm trying to keep the matches in the same day. Uh, just, just to make the value there, like the, the payoff value more appreciative. Um, I did a two day parlay on these champions league matches that I hit. And I hate going to bed at night waiting for the last leg of a parlay the next day. So I'm trying to keep these things on the same days again. And it did it did go well for me last week. I made a little bit of money. I went two and three, but the two bets that I hit were over plus 150. So I, I, I did break plus just barely. Um, but on Friday, we have I'm going to do a two leg parlay. I'm going to take Leverkusen and Mines for both teams to score. The You look at how many goals they're giving up and how many goals they're scoring. There is – it just the, – the math adds up. I mean, Leverkusen is scoring over two, ma- two goals a match. They're also giving up a goal and a half a match. And Mines is scoring over about almost, almost one and a half goals a match. And they're not giving up that many, but – Leverkusen's offense should be able to power through that. I, I would I kind of see this as anywhere from a 1-1 to a 5-3 type of game. I don't know exactly how many goals are going to get scored, but I feel very good that both teams are going to score. And then I'm going to parlay that with Juve and Torino over one and a half goals. And it's a very similar logic. They're both giving up one goal a game roughly, and then they're both scoring almost – one anywhere from one and a quarter to one and a half goals a game. So there should this this at worst should be a one one two nothing. I mean there is a little bit of a risk here that it's a one nothing match, but I think two goals are going to get scored, and that comes out at plus one hundred nine. Very nice, man. Very good picks, as always. Um, Interesting. All right. Um. My first one, I'm going um, to the early kickoff, uh, Saturday kickoff uh, in the Premier League, which, by the way, if, if we are waking up at, you know, 6.30 Central, 7 a.m., the it, it seems like that Saturday early game in the Premier League is always, like, a banger. It's just, like, for whatever reason, it is always a good game. Last week it was Southampton and Man U – um, one of the better games I've seen all year. Uh, this week it features the Hammers, uh, West Ham United. They're hosting um, Newcastle United. <laughs> and uh, so um, one of the things I've been playing recently that's been 
given me a little bit of success is um, the the two-way handicap. Um, West Ham is at a minus one. The way the two-way works is just like um, very similar to your NFL bets or your NBA bets uh, where there can be a push. And uh, so basically what you're looking at is West Ham minus one. Um, so if they were to win by more than one, two or more, uh, you get plus 120. And uh, they win by one, you get a push. I think they will win against Newcastle, especially at home. West Ham um, has been having decent results, but they're in that Champions League race. And if, if they want to stay in there, especially with all these uh, really rich teams, they, they got to start getting wins. You know, they pulled one out at the death for a tie against Leicester City last time out. That's not good enough. West Ham's got to start winning. And uh, I think it starts this week versus Newcastle. Makes sense. Yep. All right. So for my first play, I'm actually going to highlight um, a difference between um, myself and uh, Corey here in our um, betting philosophies. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, but I think um, you you take a um, hard look at um, recent trends um, for teams, um, like how many um, goals they've been scoring um, in like their past five matches. Um, would that be accurate? Yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll go a little bit further and go back, you know, an extra two or three weeks as well. Sure. But but yeah, last last month and a half, last month to month and a half would be the general form that I'm looking at. Yeah, sure. Whereas, um. The way I like to look at these is recent history between the teams themselves going head to head. Like, and that's why for this Leverkusen Mines match, I'm playing under two and a half goals at plus 115 because four of the past five meetings between these teams have finished one nil the Leverkusen. So these teams tend to play out defensive struggles. I mean, and both philosophies are quite valid. Um, sometimes some um, form matters more. Sometimes matchup matters more. It's just um, pick whichever um, strategy appeals more to you. But I think that this is going to be another rock fight um, that sees one goal scored. Mines hasn't given up a goal at home in um, four matches. Granted, they haven't been playing the best opposition at home. But I think this will probably be a low-scoring game. Maybe it'll finish 1-1 and we both win. I I I don't think it's gonna finish one nothing. I I I think one one is probably a, they're, they're, yeah. I mean I see what you're talking about. Um, I just I think I put a little bit more value in how the teams play overall recently sure. than I do how they played against each other three years ago. Which which is also a perfectly valid strategy. So I mean we'll we'll see. I I I, I do think I I you know. There have been two shutouts in Mines' last five matches. They've shut out. They shut out Hoffenheim and Bauckham. Now Bauckham is good. They're okay. They're not great. Um, they were but, too much for Bayern. I, yeah. I agree. Though. I yeah, agree. that was that, that was, was a fluke. honestly. I think Bayern's going to struggle until they get Davies back. I, I just I don't think that they're the same squad without him. They might, but going back a little, going back a little further, um, their other two home matches in that stretch, they blanked Wolfsburg and Erta, and the last team they gave up a goal to at home was Cologne, um, two minutes into the second half. 
Yeah. Oh no, that, it's it's a it's a very fair strategy. I just I've been having really good luck in Bundesliga with both teams to score, and this one just seems seems like the matchup of a really good offense versus a solid defense. Not the best defense, but solid, and then a decent offense versus a middle to lesser defense could easily result in both teams scoring. It's well, just my thought process. Let's let's hope for a one-one match then. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so moving on to Saturday, I have a I have a single play, and this is just kind of a a dart. So it's a same game parlay, and this is one of the ones where me and Thomas have conversations a lot about trying to predict the chaos and and when to be ahead of a trend. You know, like in, instead of following the trend, realizing where the trend kind of turns around. And I've taken a dart at this team in the recent past, I think like three weeks ago, and it burned me. But I really feel like this is a get-back-on-track moment for Arsenal at home against Brentford. If they can't do it against Brentford, I don't know if they can do it against anybody, especially at home. So if you take them to win to nil and for Arsenal to score over one-and-a-half goals, because Brentford's defense is god-fucking-awful. They're They're bad. They've given up 40 goals in 24 matches in the English Premier League, which is bad. Like just from that style of a league, that's a lot of goals to give up. Uh, if you parlay those two, get two together, it comes out to plus 210. So this is kind of getting the best value for your buck, in my opinion. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one thing that worries me is how these teams played them in the first match of the year which Brentford ended up winning 2-0 at home. But I think that also had a lot to do with um, Brentford excitement over being promoted to the Premier League. So, yeah, I, I see the logic for sure. Yeah, and that was also that terrible Arsenal start where I think they lost yeah. four or five in a row to start the Premier League year. They've been a lot better since. Yeah. They haven't been great in recent form, but, I mean, like I said, this is – I feel like this is a get the I feel like you couldn't ask for a better get back on track moment for them. Yeah. And it's getting the crunch time. It's the same thing I mentioned with West Ham that like Arsenal wants to make the top four. They gotta win at yeah. home versus Brentford. Yep. And, and they're right there in the thick of it with the teams right above them for goal differential. So two nothing victory would be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean Brent, Brentford has just four points in 2022 so and they've given up multiple goals in every match except for one in their last five matches so yeah and the one was the one was crystal palace so right. yeah yeah uh for my next game i'm going um real madrid versus um deportivo a la vez um take real win the nil um real is at home They've only given up eight goals in 11 games. Alaves has only scored nine goals in 11 road games. Seems like a nice little one to zero. Could be as much as like three to zero, but that's why I don't really want to add any sort of like uh, um, over or under onto it. I just think Real will win something to zero. And um, that pays out at minus 103. So almost, almost even money. Yeah, I like that. All right, so for my next one, 
I am going to go into Serie A and look at um, Juventus to win to nil against Torino at plus 145. And that's because Torino just has not been scoring on the road. Um, they've been blanked in four of their past six matches um, on the road. And I think this is the kind of match that Juve will win one nil or two nil. I'm just not. I'm not willing to be aggressive um, enough to play the under. I'll just take them to win to nil here. Right. Here you go. Um. All right. And so for my next play, I'm staying staying in Saturday morning. I'm also staying in the EPL. I have three different EPL matches that I'm playing on Saturday. Uh, on one, I'm going to take Chelsea Moneyline. That one is at Crystal Palace, but Crystal Palace hasn't won an EPL match in over a month. And I just, I'm banking on Chelsea being the better side. Like, I'm just, they're just the better team. I'm banking on them getting a result. I know they have Champions League next week, but I, I think that, I just, I think they're going to get the win. That's where the risk is at, though. You know, they, they haven't played since. They played in the FIFA World Cup, FIFA Club World Cup, and they do have a Champions League match. So there's 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 risk there. Uh, but I'm going to parlay that with Liverpool minus one on the three way handicap against Norwich. I said to fade the fade, but it's it just isn't working that way. Uh, Liverpool should win that by more than one goal. That comes out to plus one sixteen. And if you really wanted to get risky with it, I could easily see Liverpool winning by more than two. And if you bump that to minus two, it's plus 203. So if you wanted to get risky, you could take Liverpool minus two. I'm going to take the plus 116 and be happy with it. Yeah, Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And Chelsea is actually um, part of one of my plays that's coming up um, in large part because they've um, they've won all of the last five meetings against Palace. So, yeah, even if they're resting guys, I think they'll have enough to win that one. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of screws over what you were saying last week that Norwich will avoid relegation. But hey, I mean, at least I don't have any money on a fucking hot take, right? <laughs> right. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Just uh, doing a call back there. Uh, <laughs> okay, so my next one is in the Bundesliga. I'm going to take a... Um, Three-way handicap of Bayern Munich. Um, they host uh, one of the worst teams in Europe and Greater Firth. Greater Firth's been okay lately, I guess. Like, if you want to compare it to, like, other terrible teams. But uh, I'm going to put them on the minus two three-way. And I'm going to pair that together with uh, Dortmund and Mochen Gladbach uh, over three and a half. Um, so Dortmund at home is averaging three goals a game. They've got 33 goals in 11 games. Um, and they've also given up 18. Uh, we talked about a million times how they are, a both teams score. Yes. You know, almost hundred percent of the time they actually shut out. Um, don't say it. That was <laughs> bullshit. That was bullshit. That was a terrible VAR. Uh, it was, but we didn't deserve it anyway. Yeah, you didn't deserve it. I mean, I, I, money, I had it on my I wanted my money. Yeah, I wanted my money too. So. Just better have my money. <laughs> Gladbach or much and Gladbach. Um, they've given up 18 and uh 11 road games. Or sorry, 
Yeah, they've uh, – yeah, I mean, they've uh, – I think Mocha uh, Gladbach is good for one. I'm looking at, like, something like three to one, at least three to one. Um, those two paired together gets me to plus 213. Definitely a risk. I really like the Bayern play. Dortmund and Mönchengladbach have um, tended to play pretty good defense against each other. Three of their past four have um, involved at least have involved a clean sheet, yep. but the form does work um, to your advantage there. So, yeah, that was another thing. I think their last two have been one to zero. With, yeah, they have. And so, like that was kind of a thing where it's like they're both they're both scoring teams, you know, and so maybe it'll break a trend, kind of thing. Maybe. Yeah. All right, so I already alluded to it. Um, my next play is going to be a two-game parlay here of Chelsea and Aston Villa to win. And that is simply going to be because I think Chelsea has enough to handle Crystal Palace. And Aston Villa, even though they played poorly against Newcastle, they should be able to bounce back at home against Watford. And that gets me to plus 164. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Faden Watford's a very, very smart move. <laughs> um, all right. My my next one. So I made I'm making five plays. I usually I, before last week I'd only been making four, but I I I found a fifth play to make where it's just a shot in the dark. Um I'm going to take Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim, both teams not to score. I don't know who's going to do it. I just feel like one of these teams is going to win one to nothing or two to nothing. The, there's been a lot of shutouts, whether they're getting shut out or doing the shutting out of people for Wolfsburg lately. And in Hoffenheim's last two matches, there's been a zero on the scoreboard. Now, with Dan's head-to-head theory, the losing team has scored at least one goal in four of the last five but I'm going to follow the current team trends on this one. Wolfsburg's just Wolfsburg's either not scoring any goals or they're not letting you score. And in fact, in their last five matches, the only goal that the only match that didn't end up with one team being shut out was when Firth got a penalty right before halftime. So I, I just, I think that somebody's going to win this either one, nothing or two, nothing. I just don't know which team it's going to be probably be Hoffenheim, but, or I mean Wolfsburg, but Hoffenheim could pull it off. And with that, oh, that comes out to plus one thirty-five. That's why I'm taking it. It's just that there, there's value there. It's a single line item. All you need is a shutout. Doesn't matter who shuts anybody out, and you got plus one thirty-five. Not a bad idea. Yep. Um, my next and last one. Um, I'm heading to Syria. Um, I'm going to take the Venezia money line. They're at home against Genoa. Genoa. Um, Venezia is currently out of relegation. Um, not 100% sure how. I think it is maybe a head-to-head matchup versus, uh, well, I mean, they got a game in hand as well against uh, versus, uh, when it comes to uh, Cagliari, but they're both on 21 points. This is a relegation zone game. 
Um, so it's because because Cagliari scored um, three more goals than Venezia. Okay. All right. And then, so that could, that could change, you know, with the game in hand as well. Um, but this is really like an important game to win, uh, against the 19th place team. Um, a team that is one, six and six on the road with a minus 15 goal differential. Um, if Venezia has any plans of staying up and keeping our, keeping our boys, uh, Tanner Tessman and, Gianluca Busio uh, in the Serie A next year. Um, they absolutely have to win it. And um, since it is kind of a pick em game, um, that money line result is at one uh, plus 155. Vanessa hasn't been like impressive at home by any means, but I mean, these are the type of games they have to win. This is this is really crunch time when it comes to a relic. We talked about it a little bit, I think, last week or when whenever we talked about Norwich. These these are the games you need to win, you know. Oh, absolutely. And so, I mean, if they're gonna do it, they gotta do it. They've been playing better. They picked up a road win against Torino, I believe, last week. It's a big win. So hopefully, it continues for. Yeah, and Genoa has one win all year, so. Yep. All right. My next play, I'm going to dip into the English Championship, and I am going to take a no on both the score for Blackburn Rovers and Millwall because these teams just are not scoring lately. Like, Blackburn Rovers seems to be feeling the pressure as far as actually, as far as actually um, getting um, themselves into one of those automatic promotion spots. And I think they're going to end up missing out and have to go through the playoffs for that final spot um, as to who's in the Premier League um, next year, because they've been shut out in five of their past six matches. And the one exception was a one nil win over Middlesbrough. And then Millwall has been shut out in three of its past four matches, and they've um, there's been a clean sheet in five of its past six. So minus one forty five, paying a little bit of juice here, but I think there's a good chance that this finishes with at least one zero on the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, it seems very possible. I'm going to say, like, as far as the two automatic qualifying spots, I think uh, Fulham and, and um, Bournemouth have them, like, they're pretty locked down. They're both – they're basically Premier League-type talent teams in the championship. And so, yeah, I mean, but, yeah. I mean, based well, on Fulham, your – Fulham's had it locked up. Um, like, it would take something pretty catastrophic for Fulham to fall out of that top two. Blackburn had a good shot at catching Bournemouth, but not after this run of form. Yeah, absolutely. That playoff should be really good, too. Yeah. <laughs> if you like kind of crap soccer. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call Fulham crap soccer. They got a 52-goal goal differential. They're playing well, yeah, but Fulham's not going to be in the playoff. Yeah. Right. The playoff is third through sixth. And you watched some of it last year with DK. If you yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty crappy, but yeah, still interesting. 
Hey, you want you want to talk crappy? Um, try watching the league two, or no, not even the league two playoffs. Try watching the conference league playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, wasn't it Barnsley, who DK played for last year, or was it Burn Burnley? Oh, it was um, Barnsley. It would have been Barnsley if he was in the championship. If you look at that table, they're fucking looking. They're gonna they're gonna be in League One. League One next year, yeah, maybe dead last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? The way we're playing, we might actually um, find ourselves up there with them. Oh, Bristol right. Rovers is starting to put things together, which has me very conflicted because, on one hand, we're playing better, but on the other hand, I still hate Joey Barton. <laughs> Right. Um. It's Dan. You're up, right? Um. Is winning, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I did just go. That was how we got on that um English Championship. Um, yep. 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 Okay. So my last play, I'm going to keep hammering this well. I know it screwed me last week, but that was an that was an exception, not not the rule. So I'm going to go back to the well and take Dortmund Gladbach, both teams to score. And then I'm going to parlay that with Bayern on a three-way handicap against Greater Firth, minus two. I think uh, I think at home against Firth, it's a different story. I also think they're going to be pretty pissed off about what happened today. So I think they're going to let out some frustration this weekend. And when you parlay those two things together, it comes out two plus 128. Okay. Man. Yep. So uh, yeah, almost the exact same pick I made, except for I picked the over three and a half. Mine yep. just a little higher. And I'm basically saying they're going to win three nothing or better. So if mine hits, yours is hit most likely. There you go. Yeah. Well, you have both teams score. You said. Oh yeah, and the, yeah, and the door. Yeah, Dortmund Gladbach. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing too. Is something like three to one. So hopefully, we both hit. there's 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 wiggle room for all of our picks to hit so i'm happy about that yeah Yeah. all right so for my final one i am going back to my well and i am dipping into the air and taking ajax to win to nil at minus 160 which is just pretty much self-explanatory at this point ajax just pretty much doesn't get scored on yeah. Yep. I I somehow looking through it came up that FC twenty was gonna score on IX. Um, they didn't. They lost five to zero. <laughs> yeah. I I played them both teams to score. Just looking at the recent matchups, they had scored a few times, but I saw on a different level in um. <laughs> Like that, that goal differential is just insane. 69 to 5. Yeah. Every week it just keeps getting better and better. They went 3-0 two weeks ago, 5-0 this week. Yeah, because they keep winning a nil. Yeah. Well, yeah. And blowing out teams to nil, too. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any more picks. So. Well, I'm I'm fresh out of picks as well, so. Hopefully, yep. hopefully we all hit all of our bets. I know I, I think I've only actually hit all of my bets over a weekend once from this podcast, but it is possible. 
Um, but I feel good about my plays. I feel good about your guys' plays. So let's have ourselves a weekend. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. All right. And so with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap things up again. We'd like to give a shout out to the Coda Capper sports gambling network. You know, they're whatever, whatever sport taste you have or whatever gambling taste you have, there is definitely something for you on the network. There, there is people betting on everything from <laughs> women's college basketball, the women's Face. yeah, women's women's Olympic hockey, me, um, all the way to NFL Madden simulations. Uh, don't I don't want to talk about that, but no oh, good God, yeah, there there is something for everybody in this network. So go go check out at Coda Cappers. There is retweets and quote tweets of all sorts of stuff that that whatever it is that you like in the sporting world, you're going to find something there. Uh, a lot of characters, too. It's it's a lot of fun. So go check it out. And we'd like to give a shout out to them and thank them for giving us this opportunity to bring you our nerdisms on soccer and our bets for the week. So appreciate that. And I don't know. Is there anything else you guys want to throw that throw in there? Yeah, and always a uh, special thanks to them. I want to give a special shout out to uh, um, Union Omaha, USL League One champions from last year. Um, they're getting ready. I think we have a couple of uh, their supporters who listen to the show. Um, season starts in April. Uh, might be going to some of those games. Affordable go. tickets. I'll, I'll come with you. Hell yeah, man. It's at the whatever the – Baseball park is called now. Uh, New Rosenblatt. The old, yeah, New Rosenblatt right in downtown. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I got. Shout out to Obed Vargas for Dan Seattle. Sounds like he's going to play again. Exciting teenager from Anchorage, Alaska. All right, then. Well, <laughs> this will be interesting. Yeah. They play tomorrow against, um, was it, Ottawa? Yeah, it's a team from Honduras. Yeah, yeah. Uh, CONCACAF Champions League. As good as it gets. <laughs> best of the best, baby. All right. Uh, All, right guys. All right, well, with that, we'll go ahead and let you go, and we will see you next week. Yep, see you guys. Thank you. All right.